Behold the workings of my genius mind. I prowl the earth, endeavoring to find some unsuspecting and unguarded fool, someone whom by deception I can rule and ruin, someone like you. And if I can entice, ensnare, and capture by some plan or lure or bit of poison truth one who is highly visible, then I would do so much more damage to his cause, whose name I will have brought to very public shame. Welcome to the Adverse Theology Project. This is Volume 9, Number 6, Spiritual Theology. I'm your host, T.M. Moore. In this spiritual theology segment of our project, we have been listening to the devil recount his efforts to usurp God's throne, how he toyed with the people of God and sought to undermine their faith in him throughout the course of Israel's history. In this, Part 9, we find him at his most hubristic, boasting about his ability to entrap even the greatest of God's servants in the meanest of sins. But not everyone was as vulnerable as the devil might wish, and he found a match in Asaph, the worship leader in Solomon's day. Here is Part 9 of Satan Bound, the first of a two-part episode entitled Portent. There is a certain irony in my reporting all these victories that I achieved against the interests of my foe. I am the father of all lies, you know. Thus you might expect it hard for me to narrate so much truth so candidly as what to this point you have heard. Need I remind you that to publicize the lie and spread its glory, one must sometimes use the truth at least as much as will one's ruse accommodate. One must endeavor to make every lie seem just the thing to do, and to this end it must be shrouded in some truth or will be recognized as sin too easily. Thus even you, as you, my wicked tragic narrative review, may in your heart begin to feel a chord of sympathetic resonance toward my plight begin to vibrate a delight in my grandiloquence, perhaps a slight regret for my benightedness, a sadness at my recalcitrance, a hope my badness will in the end be cured. And is this not just like you, just like every man, who ought to hate all forms of evil, to instead find room within your foolish heart and head to say, well, after all, it's not so bad. I relish such a thought. It makes me glad to know that avenues exist within men's souls by which temptation may bring sin to full fruition. If all humans were so easily entrapped, if I could blur distinctions between lies and truth and lead all men to turn away from God and heed their fleshly lusts by couching lies in truth, then this would surely be compelling proof that I sufficient strength possess to rise up and assault the king of earth and skies once more and seize at last his throne for me. But there are always some who prove to be an obstacle to my ambitions. I shall treat of one who stood against my lie, for truth requires it, and I have no fear from what I've seen that many, though they hear the truth, will take it much to heart. So let the truth be told. I'm certain lies shall yet prevail. This in due course. But first, to show my prowess at employing truth, to sow the seeds of wickedness, a few examples of my deceptive skills, so you may sample the poisoned cuisine of pride, self-lust, and power. God chose the meekest man, that he should tower above all others, and a shepherd be for them across the wilderness. 
for he would speak with God and lead the people by his meekness to their promised home. But I had other plans for him. Let pressures build and let God's people show just how strong-willed they could be, and his pride would get the best of him. Could they not see how God had blessed them through his leadership? Did they not know that he was God's anointed one to show their way into the promised land? Must he bear with these grumblers for eternity? And so the meekest man in all the earth succumbed to pride and forfeited his worth to lead God's people home by taking to himself the glory that to God is due alone and striking what he should have merely commanded to give water. Thus he dearly paid and let truth be a conduit for sin. Or see this one who led the people in their conquest of the land. Truth was, as he no doubt assessed it, that their victory at Jericho, so easily attained, was meant to show how others would be gained as well. So, off to Ai, without prayer or seeking God, he set a force to their embarrassment and ruin. The Lord, it seems, prefers his plans to any stupid schemes his people might concoct apart from him. And shall I narrate for you here the grim details of how the people, when no king ruled over them, did whatever stupid thing they thought was right and true, and all the while heaped wickedness and sin up pile on pile, and to my great delight? Or shall I tell of him who brought upon his people hell on earth, just so that he might know how great a king he was? And I will not relate how righteousness at length gave way to pride in him whom God adored, when I had plied my trade upon his soul, I squeal as I recall how he his fist shook at the sky, demanding God explain to him his plight. All these and more I led from day to night, from righteousness to sin, by lacing truth with lies, resulting in rebuke, reproof, remonstrance, or rejection at the hand of God. What man before my wiles can stand? Yet, there was one, well, many actually, but I found one of them especially astute at fending off my lies. I thought him an anomaly no more. I ought to have seen in him instead a portent of one who would soon enchain me from above. Behold the workings of my genius mind. I prowl the earth, endeavoring to find some unsuspecting and unguarded fool, someone whom by deception I can rule and ruin, someone like you. And if I can entice and snare and capture by some plan or lure or bit of poison truth one who is highly visible, then I would do so much more damage to his cause, whose name I will have brought to very public shame. Which stratagem led me to take aim at one charged to God's holy word proclaim, and in his worship lead the people." I knew well that he a loving shepherd's eye kept on the flock of God. How well he knew them, understood what they were going through, and all their foolish thoughts and ways. It must have pained him greatly to observe their trust in God erode, as I strewed all along their daily path, temptations far too strong for them to stand against. He watched as they increasingly began to disobey the Lord, preferring rather worldly ways and self-indulgence to the love and praise of God. Themselves they lavished with as much of worldliness as they could see or touch and make their own. They fairly licked the earth and boasted of their fast-increasing worth and 
prominence. Oh, their substantial wealth I bundled up with ease and with good health to reinforce their self-assurance that God's blessings were upon what they were at. They boasted of their leisure, scorned the weak, oppressed the poor, and raised their tongues to speak against the very God of heaven. He does not know or care what we may do, because it's clear his blessings are upon us. And that's a wrap for Volume 9 of the Inverse Theology Project. Visit our website, www.ilba.org, to discover the wealth of resources available to help you grow in your walk with and work for the Lord. You can review all the previous issues of the Inverse Theology Project by going to the website, clicking the Resources tab, then clicking the Inverse Theology Masthead. Volume 10 of the Inverse Theology Project opens with Solomon in Ecclesiastes chapter 12 explaining the whole of the matter with respect to men and God. Until then, for the Fellowship of Ilba and the Inverse Theology Project, this is T.M. Moore.